Folks, do you love movies? The good ones? Even the bad ones everyone told you not to like? It sounds like Super Yaki is the place for you. The team at Super Yaki loves movies, so much so that they've dedicated every waking moment of their life to bringing you top quality merchandise to showcase your love for them. From super soft t-shirts celebrating the 20th anniversary of the cinematic masterpiece Josie and the Pussycats, to comfy sweatshirts made for the brave members of the Movies by Yourself Club. They even have pins of some of your favorite directors like Sofia Coppola and Jordan Peele. Super Yaki joyously brings you tangible love letters to movies and filmmakers that you can wear with pride. Plus, the team at Super Yaki screen prints all their apparel using eco-friendly, 100% water-based inks and ships with compostable poly mailers for an environmentally friendly alternative to online shopping. And as a special gift to you, listeners can save 10% on their order with code SUPERSKYTALKERS, all caps, no spaces, at checkout. If the spirit moves you, find them at superyaki.com. Let's watch more movies. Welcome to Sky Talkers. Here are your hosts, Charlotte and Caitlin. Hello, and welcome to Sky Talkers. I'm your host, Charlotte. Hey, everyone. I'm your other host, Caitlin, and welcome to this week's episode where we're talking all about the latest episode of The Bad Batch called Devil's Deal. This episode aired on July 9th, 2021. It was written by Tamara Beecher Wilkinson, and it was directed by Seward Lee. Yes. Oh, my God. Where do we even begin with this episode? Wow. <laughs> you know, I don't, I, don't, I don't know. Yeah, I don't really I don't know either. Know. First, maybe maybe we should start by the fact that this is one of those Star Wars episodes I watched at 3 a.m. time. We should start there. Seems like a good <laughs> place to start. I think especially people who listen to our TV show analysis are very well acquainted with Charlotte's sleep schedule. <laughs> yeah, I think that most people are. It's a, it's a running theme. <laughs> yeah, you know I don't get any sleep. I'm currently operating on maybe four hours of sleep because of... <laughs> watching this episode so late. So pardon me if I'm a little loopy or long-winded. That's just how it's going to be. But let me tell you, for people who stay up until 3 a.m. on the East Coast to watch (laughs) these shows, it hits different at 3 a.m. It always does. Every like It's so quiet. I live in a city, so it's like so quiet. At 3 a.m., it's so dark. You know, other times I wake up early, watch it. I know you do too, and the light's streaming in. No. No, this is a vibe. It is great. So imagine my surprise. Honestly, Tracy Canobio, who is a publicist for Lucasfilm, tweeted that you should try to watch this one live. And she tweeted that earlier in the day on Thursday. And it just was kind of in my brain the entire time where I was like, uh, something cool is going to happen. Maybe I do want to watch it live. And I just ended up actually staying up for it uh, just because I'm an insomniac. And (laughs) it was great. I really, 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 really enjoyed this episode. And like I said, it really hits different at at, at 3 a.m., 3.01 a.m. And I I feel like this episode grabbed hold of me and did not let me go until Hera was speeding away in that speeder contemplating everything that just happened. I was like, oh, my God, it's over. Whoa. It was so good. What were your thoughts? Well, I watched it at about 11.15 (laughs) a.m. And which is kind of part of the course for me. I feel like I uh, with Bad Batch this season, I've like gotten up. I don't get on Twitter or anything to be spoiled. I did, you know, like a couple hours of work in the morning and then I have, you know, like a nice long coffee break with Bad Batch. And 
um, yeah, the sun is streaming in. I have my sun catcher crystals right there. There's rainbows. It's 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 a good vibe. It's a different <laughs> vibe, but it's also a good vibe. Uh, I tried to get Charlotte to take a nap today. So hard. I tried. I, I, tried. I, I tried being nice. I tried like a little bit of bad cop. It didn't work. None of it worked. And she texted me like two hours later and was like, what if I told you I did not take a nap? <laughs> it's like – yeah, not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> I tried. I really, really tried. It just was not having it. So I think I was just so wired from this episode basically all day. This is what happens to me. Um, and I was just so excited. So I'm really thrilled to be talking about this right now. So tell me what you thought. I love this episode. I had kind of forgotten that we were set to go to Ryloth. And so it was like I, I knew that we were going there this season, but I just didn't like put two and two together that it could be this episode. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I I don't really like I wasn't expecting Hera. Like I one I wasn't expecting Ryloff and so therefore I definitely wasn't expecting Hera. And so I was I was just so excited to see her and then like seeing Chopper too. I was like, "Oh my gosh. I love Chopper. He's probably my favorite droid." I recently finished rewatching season 1 of Rebels and I'm like in the first couple episodes of season 2, which it's been a while since I watched season 1 of Rebels and so it was just like perfect timing to have like Hera in season 1 of Rebels and Hera here in Bad Badge. It was just it was so great, and she just had – I don't know. It was really great to see this side of Hera as someone who, yes, is, you know, albeit a bit jaded by war and, like, has already kind of um, defined herself by her activism, I think, even at this age, but still has just so much kind of hope and, like, childlike wonder about her and getting to see her talk about learning how to fly I thought was really great. And, of course, we'll talk about her interactions with Omega, which were fantastic. Um, and, of course, seeing Hera and her whole family, the Sindolas, was really great in this episode. But I think visually, this episode was beautiful. The action in it was amazing. Like, the the chase at the end of the episode with Hera's parents um, after her and Gobi were uh, being, you know, supposedly put on trial, I thought was so great, especially when they had all the lights out. It was just really compelling, really action-packed. I loved it. Um, the music in this episode, Hera getting some Princess Leia theme. Oh, my God. It was, it was so good. It was really, it was an emotional episode. It was really good. Again, I feel like we say this every week. I feel like we get like 45 minute episodes. Like that's what it feels like in a good way. Yeah. But then they're, you know, 22, 25 minutes. Yeah. And you you really hit the nail on the head. I just, we talk about this every single time, but God, this episode was so gorgeous. They have been really showing off. <laughs> On the animation side, on the art side, on the the lighting side, it is just so gorgeous. There are several shots in this episode that are just honestly top 10 animation shots for me. It was so beautiful. And yeah, you're so right about the music. It was great. This episode was awesome. And the pacing was just so good. I think that the Bad Batch really does nail episode pacing really, really well, where it's all so exciting and I'm learning so much. And I mean, a lot of stuff happened in this episode. They went to a lot of places. They talked about a lot of different things. We met different characters Mm -hmm. and it's still under 30 minutes and it didn't feel like it was going by too fast and it didn't feel like it was going by too slow. It felt so, it was just so good. And I mean, I really think that we have to 
uh, like tip our hats, I guess, to the director, Stuart Lee, and the writer, Tamara Betcher Wilkinson. I I feel like she also wrote Rampage a couple of episodes back. That was the episode with Moochie. And we I think we remarked that we really liked her writing in this episode, that episode, and this episode as well. I just thought it was really top tier, par for the course. It's clear that she loves Chopper. Let's also talk about how <laughs> Vanessa Vanessa Marshall is back as Hera, which is amazing. We love Vanessa. She's been on Sky Talkers before, and she's just such a huge Star Wars fan and also just a great voice actor also and such a you know huge proponent of her character Hera. And seeing her as a child was really nice. I mean, I just didn't realize that I needed this origin story. <laughs> and I think that it's, it's just so refreshing. I don't know. And Chopper re- uh, returning. Uh, I love Chopper, too. I, what's not to love about Chopper? Except he didn't kill anyone in this episode, which feels... <laughs> wrong considering he's he's still young i know he's got a whole career of being a war criminal ahead of him (laughs) and i just one of my favorite things in rebels was that chopper in the credits it was always chopper played by himself and spoiler alert we find out that dave filoni is the voice of chopper much later but in the credits this time it says chopper played by himself and i was like uh return to form this is so comforting (laughs) There's so much nostalgia wrapped up in this episode for me. I feel like there's so many, like several moments where that really did feel like Rebels, and we'll talk about them. But um, in the episode, like a series like this doesn't necessarily have to do that. And I don't necessarily, I think for me, it was a strength, but I feel like the Bad Batch is really serving as this like wonderful bridge between Rebels and the Clone Wars. And it's just like such a treat for animation fans like us. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that. It really, like, it did feel like Rebels, right? But, like, we get a lot of Cham in Clone Wars, too. And so it just, we we talked about this last week, I think, too, with kind of these um, cameos and, like, big connections and stuff like that. And I think that this episode, this episode stands out more than all the others because the focus is really not on the Bad Batch, you know, happening across someone that we've seen in some other Star Wars uh, entity. The it's the other way around, right? It's Hera and the Sandolas mm-hmm. happening across the Bad Batch or very briefly coming into contact with them. So this one is definitely, this one definitely stands out, I think, more than any other kind of um, surprise show up of another character. And what did you think about that aspect of it? I thought it was great. I thought it was really refreshing. And I didn't realize let me back up. Last episode, I really enjoyed the beginning with this like per- political turmoil um, where the politician was kind of questioning his own actions and his his part in letting the empire rule over his planet, right? And that beginning, that like 10 minutes or eight minutes in the beginning, I talked about on the show as being really riveting for me. So I sort of expected the same thing to kind of happen in this episode where we'd, we'd see that and then we'd cut back to the Bad Batch and then we'd cut, we'd cut back to whatever they're going to do. Maybe a really similar plot as the last episode. But we didn't get that. Instead, we got sort of this reversal, this like turning on the head where you think that Cham in the beginning is going to be like, no, this is wrong. Like I've spent a lot of time fighting against Orn Frita and now we have to work together. And instead... He doesn't really say that, right? It's it's it, it it's more complicated than that. It's more complicated than no, this is wrong, and thus begins the whole episode. And for me, I I think that this episode really does establish, like right away, that we're supposed to also link that 
this episode is following Crosshair as well. Um, Crosshair makes an appearance like within the first minute of the episode, and I believe he's the first piece of dialogue too. So it's interesting that, you know, the show's called The Bad Batch. And when we started the show, Crosshair was part of the crew that is on the Marauder, right? Now he's not. He's part of the Empire, but it's still interesting to follow him around there. And yes, this this episode did focus on the Sindulas and Ryloth, but we did get a glimpse at what Crosshair was dealing with. I don't I wouldn't say that this episode was through his eyes, but he was our focus member of the Bad Batch. Like the Bad Batch crew didn't show up until 13 minutes into this episode. I really didn't think it was ever going to happen <laughs> by that point. I was like, oh my God, they're here. And by the way, again, with the animation style, it just looked so good with them like lined up with like the beautiful planet in the background. Ugh, chef's kiss. It was amazing. But I really liked the breaking of the format. It felt really creative to me and felt very new and exciting. Yeah, I think that, you know, if like you and I have talked a lot about like the purpose of this series and like what it's trying to do. And I think we focus a lot of attention on the like the Bad Batch themselves discovering their individual purposes now that the war is over. And I think that is kind of the forefront uh, theme or uh, like push for all of these characters. But, you know, I think we've also talked a lot about in this series so far is being able to see different ways that um, the Empire is entrenching themselves on planets and how certain planets are responding either positively, negatively, or somewhere in between. And that's kind of been um, the B plot through a lot of these episodes. Um, certainly, like last week, like we talked about, that was the B plot. And we see examples of it in nearly every episode of how certain planets are responding to the empire's presence and the you know the quote-unquote end of the war and so to really like kind of use this episode to make that the a plot i think was really cool and i think it was a really good decision to do that with someone like the sindulas and ryloth and hera specifically because we've had um their story told in multiple different eras in Clone Wars and in Rebels and now here in Bad Batch. And we've seen uh, different moments of like Cham's relationship to politics and then also his relationship to his daughter later on in Rebels when she's an adult and, you know, working for the rebellion herself. And so to kind of see the the change in her relationship to her family and kind of come back to, I think what we might consider in this, you know, whether two episodes, I, I don't know, um, you know, in this episode and probably next week too, at the very least, um, what is kind of probably going to be like a nexus for her moving forward in her activism and in her relationship to the rebellion and to her father. And I, I just found the situation on Ryloth and the Sindula family dynamic like so compelling. I thought it was so um, complicated and interesting. And because there are a lot of viewers who already have some familiarity with some of these characters, <laughs> depending on if you maybe you only watch Clone Wars, maybe you only watch Rebels, maybe you watch them both. Maybe you're like me and haven't really watched the Cham episodes in a while, but you know who he is. <laughs> it's like there's, there's something there for you to kind of grab onto. And I think um, it made it that much more interesting to, again, kind of bring that political side to the plot A, you know, if I'm going to describe it that way, um, with a family that we already know versus, you know, a, 
a brand new set of characters and kind of like politicians on a planet that perhaps we're not as familiar with. I think that it might be harder for the audience to in some ways accept that the Bad Batch were not really in this episode in the same ways that they are throughout the rest of the series, obviously. Yeah. I Let's talk a little bit about what we knew before this episode about Hera's relationship with her family. So in Rebels, it's really established that she has a really complicated relationship with her father, Cham, because of whatever happened to her mother, and that it probably has something to do with her mother's death that I hope I don't know. I just hope it's handled well um, going forward. Uh, that drove Cham to become a, a, a radical uh, and kind of force this separation between Cham and Hera and her own ideals and it forced her to leave the planet and become who she is in Rebels. And then later in Rebels, we, you know, see her wrestling with the fact that um, Thrawn takes this object that is so important to her family called the Calicori, which basically uh, chronicles, uh, it's basically a family tree, right? But it was really important to her mother. And so there was that established connection between Hera and her mother there. And it's just, I'm I'm wondering if we're going to fill in the gaps a little bit more. I just, I really didn't expect Cham to be like this in this episode. And I really, I'm really happy to be surprised. But I think we all just assumed that um, the Empire did something really bad to Hera's mother. And then that, like, that's an easy, um, and that story makes sense, right? Uh, I guess it'll be interesting to see how this all goes. Yeah, I think, you know, like I said, it, it's been a while since I've watched the the Cham episodes from both Clone Wars and Rebels. But in my head, I, I remember him as a much more like aggressive character yeah. Uh, yeah. and like you said almost almost like basically radicalized um and so to not really see that side of him in this episode i thought was a really great choice and you know he really he really wants this to be it you know and the way that he talks to his wife and the way that he talks to hera and gobi he really like he's really giving it a hundred percent to want this to be the right choice for Ryloth and to put trust in the Empire and everyone around him, his family mainly is is trying to convey to him that that is not, you know, there's a lot to be suspicious of here. And I love the moment with when uh, Hera comes back from kind of her first when she's brought in by the clones because she's been caught spying basically, and her mom is like, "Well, what were you doing out by the mining?" setup excavation or whatever and Hera goes well I, I didn't really tell you that's where I was so how did you know that and her mom was like listen tell me everything you saw <laughs> it was it was, it, it was just such a, a nice moment and um it was I again I think their family dynamic was really compelling because it was clear they are um frustrated with the the decisions that Cham is making, but they're all actively still trust each other and are still, for the most part, being honest about what they're thinking and feeling and doing and how they're perceiving the empire on Ryloth. I thought it was really great. And of course, I, I love the moment at the end of the episode when they find out that Hera and Gobi have been captured and they both immediately spring into action and like drop everything and go after Hera. And I don't know, I just... 
that kind of parents with child, with young child, we don't see super often in Star Wars. And I enjoyed that aspect of it, especially like, like I said, I just finished season one of Rebels and like the comparison to like a character like Ezra. And I, I think I would consider Ezra and Hera about the same ages um, here, like Hera here in Bad Batch as we see Ezra in uh, Rebels and knowing how like much Ezra misses his parents and seeing Hera have a relationship with her parents. I don't know. It, it was it was nice and it made me, I don't know, it was just something good to add to the characterization of Hera. And it was kind of clear to see how what is happening in these episodes is, like I said, is going to be really pivotal pivotal for both Hera and Cham moving forward. And I think it does have something to do with whatever happens to Hera's mother. I hope... I hope they're careful with how they do that because, you know, we already know that Hera's mom is gone. That's not really something they could necessarily – I guess they could, quote, unquote, retcon or change the story like she went into hiding or something like that. Um, I would definitely be for that. But, you know, it's just another mother gone um, is hard uh, to swallow. So I hope that they do that well, um, as best they can, given whatever story they're working within, assuming that she is going to die. Um, and yeah, you know, I hope <laughs> you and I were talking about this before, you know, I hope they call her by her name next episode too, because <laughs> we, we didn't get that. And, uh, not gonna lie, that is disappointing when we hear pretty much everyone else's name in the show and not Hera's mom um Hera talks to her mother a lot but of course she is calling her mom <laughs> so that makes sense but I do hope that like we had to find out that her name was Eleni from yeah the credits it's a bummer <laughs> it, it, it is a bummer you know like we they there were ample places for them to say her name in this episode and uh yeah we don't have a ton of moms in Star Wars um long-lasting moms I guess I should say so uh, yeah, but I loved her. I loved her character. I loved her earrings. Oh my god, I loved her earrings. <laughs> yeah. Um, I really liked Eleni, um, if that is how you pronounce her name. And I, it makes me nervous for when we see her next. Again, knowing that Hera and her father have um, a more tenuous relationship in the future. It's just you know a little bit of fore- foreboding in it. I think. Yeah. Um, another, you brought up the the connections between Ezra and Hera, and I think that those were a plenty in this episode, purposefully, like almost maybe a little too on the nose, but we love the poetry it rhymes here. So it works. Like uh, when Hera was leaning off against that rail, looking out into the sky, that was so Ezra in the very first episode of Rebels, and then also Sabine in the very last episode of Rebels. And then even her gazing up and seeing the birds overhead. I counted four birds total. And maybe I'm just thinking a little too deep into this. But do each of those four birds represent a different member of the ghost crew before Ezra was added? Maybe I'm just going to say that they are because it makes me happy. Okay. And <laughs> I feel like it just it, it really makes sense that we would see Hera here dreaming of being a pilot. I also want to talk a little bit about how when she's describing flying to Omega, she describes it as a feeling and immediately my ears perked up because that's how some characters describe the force as, you know, a feeling. And I think that that kind of goes to this whole discussion about how 
at least like a, a, a an establishment that everyone has the force in star wars just it t- determines like it just depends on what level and for me i was like oh hera's connection to flying is like the force it's if it's not the same it is if it is not that then it is just the same and i really liked that just to backtrack a little bit i wanted to talk about a major thing that was established in this episode and kind of is the crux of why the conflict is happening on Ryloth, besides the fact that the Empire's there and we hate the Empire, um, <laughs> it establishes yes, right them. away. We hate them. So, so it's clear that the Empire is trying to establish a sense of do- dominance with their own military posts across the galaxy, and they're the only ones with weapons. It, it's an unequal situation. It's, it doesn't work, especially after, you know, the... It is also established in this episode that the the people of Ryloth respect Cham and everything he's done for the past three years in the Clone Wars. And they've been freedom fighters for so long that this removal is uh, threatening and different. And so it's a whole change, you know. And I think that it's clear to me that that was probably happening throughout the galaxy. Is like, how do we squash these smaller pieces of rebellion? Okay, well, we... <laughs> take away their weapons we cut off their resources you know that's a major thing in star wars obviously cutting off resources and yeah i just thought that was interesting yeah cham has a good conversation with hera about this when they're that moment you referenced charlotte where hera is leaning over the railing thinking she tells her dad you know i just want to get out out of here i'm gonna fly and you know leave the planet basically make my own path right uh and then they start talking like hera starts talking about how gobi trusts Hera's uh, to like go on these missions and like spying and stuff like that. But then also, um, you know, there's Hera's suspicion about the empire and stuff. And um, the, and like, is the war really over and how, how do we know? And, you know, this is, this doesn't look good basically. And I feel like, you know, Hera is kind of parroting back what she's hearing from Gobi and from her mom in some ways, but especially from Gobi because, well, well, I think that Hera definitely has an understanding of what's going on. I think that when you're younger, like she is clearly, um, it's, it's like, who are you going to listen to? Your dad who's not letting you go anywhere or like your cool uncle, you know, who's like letting – teaching you how to fly the ship. And I think it's kind of easy to see why she would, you know, quote unquote, side with her uncle about what she thinks is going on. It's not – and, you know, like they're right obviously. But um, her dad like has – like Cham has really good things to say on this topic. And he's like, you know, the people of Ryloth, they've been – you know, entrenched, surrounded by war for a lot of years. And that's hard to just turn off. And he says, we're, I think he says something like, we're going to work through it. And I think that that, you know, is true. And if it had been another situation, if it hadn't been the empire, like Cham would be totally right here. You know, like you just can't turn off that, that mindset of like we're on wartime right now like that's easier said than done and also that suspicion of others and i think it's funny because cham says that to hera and i think he is so desperately trying to keep that mindset turned off because he doesn't want like he doesn't want to believe that the empire are actually there to harm them and to um, manipulate and use them and ryloth for its resources or for its people and stuff like that and so it's a little bit of irony there but i thought it was a really great conversation and i can totally see where cham is coming from in this whole episode of like please no like we have to give this a chance but 
the Empire made them give up their weapons and then tells the Sindolas, like shows them that the mining facility that they have. And that's when, when Eleni is like, oh, what, why are you armed? So now no one on Ryloth has weapons, but the Empire all have weapons and military based there. And so, you know, if the, if the Trilux want to start an uprising, how are they going to with no weapons? They're like clearly outnumbered and the Empire has all of the power. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Gobi. Something I thought was cool was there was a sort of antithesis or role reversal of uh, this the idea of the uncle in Star Wars. So we have Hera and Gobi, her uncle, and it seems like her uncle is actually encouraging her to, you know, do crime, <laughs> be in the rebellion. In in A New Hope, you know, one of the oldest Star Wars tropes is Uncle Owen not letting Luke go off and be a part of something. And here we have Gobi encouraging Hera to be a part of something. I thought that was kind of cool. Um, I really liked that there was this concept of this reversal. But I really wanted to talk a little bit about something our friend Jess said in our Patreon Discord when we were talking about this latest episode of The Bad Batch. Was this at 4 a.m.? No, it actually wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> there is there's a whole group of people in our Patreon Discord, all of you up at 4 a.m. in the Discord talking about this episode. I went back and was reading the comments this morning, you know, at like 11.45 a.m. And yeah, it was definitely a little unhinged. Although I think some of those people are on the West Coast, so it was like... 1 a.m. True, 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 true. <laughs> but still, you, you definitely were not. <laughs> this is what Jess said. Just watched it again and trying to formulate my thoughts on Gobi and Hera. He's putting her in so much danger and doesn't seem to think that much of it. But at the same time, war is the reality that she's grown up with all her life. For the long time, I've had reservations about if Hera would really allow children to fight while being part of her crew. But this perspective kind of puts a new spin on it. Because it quite, it's quite literally all she's ever known. Children involved in war is normal to her. And I think this is absolutely true and a really good point because th- this is what it establishes, right? In Rebels, you know, Hera is so focused on the rebellion and helping out and being the biggest help that she possibly can. And also being basically like the mother for uh, the ghost crow and cultivating this family, right? And for her, family has always looked like this. It's always been politics. It's always been war. It's always been the Clone Wars. And yeah, it just makes perfect sense to me. And I, when I left the episode, I also was like, okay, what's up with Gobi? Like, we really spent a lot of time on this character. But it really does make sense to me on how it really shaped Hera as a person. It made me, like when you were talking, it made me even think of that line from Cassian in Rogue One, right? Of, I've been in this fight since I was six years old. Yeah. And children, they don't have a choice, right? And you think about the ghost crew and Sabine went through so much involvement in the war and with the Empire before she ever met Sabine and became a part of the ghost crew. Like she she also didn't really have a choice in a lot of things in her life. And then Ezra too, and you know, he wasn't involved in the war in the same way, but he was just trying to survive. And then his abilities make made him more of a target. And there's like this whole other layer there. But yeah, I think this was a really good point that just brought up because it was like, why is Gobi 
He's just like, is he worried like <laughs> that Harris could potentially be executed after <laughs> going on this supply run? You know, like that. This is pretty serious stuff that that he's totally. bringing her into um, on the premise of, oh, I was going to teach you how to fly, which is really cute and all, but also, you know, the execution risk of it all. <laughs> Yeah, seriously. I mean, <laughs> it is on display here in this episode. Yeah. Uh, let's take a step back and talk about the clone that we saw in this episode. Or super as, interesting, as you have them in her in our notes, the hot clone. Yeah, he's super hot. Um, yeah. and I think this is now an in a widely held internet opinion. Yeah, when yeah. he entered the scene, I was like, oh wow, hello, okay, Sorry. yeah, <laughs> same. What's your number? <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. So. Anyway, I think that it's really interesting because clearly this is a clone that is within the Empire's presence, right? But doesn't seem like hostile. Doesn't seem like Crosshair is very different to the Crosshair in this situation, in these scenes. He is how we remember clones being in the Clone Wars. Helpful, Mm -hmm. kind, opinionated in some ways, right? And I think that what's being displayed here is is one of two things right number one maybe he doesn't have his chip at sorry number one maybe his chip never activated which is interesting number two his chip activated but we're not really seeing that take up a big part of his own free will and or like from that there's no jedi present so this is just how it is and he has retained a lot of his own personality and i don't think that it made me pause and think that i don't think we've seen characters besides the bad batch who had a chip and went on after order 66 and weren't changed that much besides that like one singular event right or a a new um new army that they serve right and I don't know. I thought it was interesting. It really adds some gray to this conversation about free will with the chips and everything. I think that the concept of the chip, the more we talk about it, the more it feels really simple. And I think that what the Bad Batch writers are doing is making it not so simple. So like, this also brings me to my next point about how we get a glimpse at Crosshair's head wound, which is gnarly. Okay. (laughs) It was... A lot. I mean, there's a huge chunk taken out of his head. And I think that it it made me think like, oh, my God, did I get the chip? Like, are we attached? Did the chip come out? And the thing is, is that we don't know because I still believe that Crosshair would choose the Empire afterwards. I mean, it would be interesting if we find out that they do like a a search because they have that the Bad Batch crew has the ability to like see whether or not there's a chip inside of them. What if they do that to Crosshair and there's no chip and he already chose? I mean, that would be crazy. And I think that it it's possible and it this enti- this glimpse at this this one particular clone really does occupy this like space in between and makes you question a lot of different things, right? Cuz there's no discussion. I mean, even even when Hera is being <laughs> tried for treason he's like sir she's only a child and kind of stands up for himself and his in in the orders that he's given and i just didn't expect that from a clone that had a chip in his head because it didn't feel like that was even a possibility uh i just i found it so interesting there's so many good things in this episode it's just it's man it's a banger 
<laughs> yeah, I I really liked the hot clone. I really liked the teal color on his uh, armor. I thought that yeah, yeah it worked. Yeah, yeah. It was a, it was a good color for him. You know, it looked good on him. Yeah, I thought that I was really surprised. I think you could kind of tell the minute he like when we first met him on in the episode that he was not like a normal reg, right? And I think that is the big comparison, obviously, like to when we saw all of the regs in um in like the first two episodes of the Bad Batch and when all of the regs are very antagonistic towards the Bad Batch. Whereas you're right, like this this guy, he seems to have a lot of autonomy and he has familiarity, I think, with Cham. That's kind of how I read it at the beginning of the episode when he is telling Cham, you know, like, no, this is peace. Like this is – it's actually come. And there's this genuineness from him when he's telling Cham this that like he really believes that. And yeah, it, it makes me wonder, like, was he on Ryloth and there were just no Jedi there? So when Order 66 happened, he didn't, like, his Ooh. personality didn't change or he didn't, Ooh. like, there was no Jedi for him to enact Order 66 on. So it didn't, like, nothing really changed for him. You know what I mean? That's kind mm-hmm. of what I was thinking about while watching the episode. Um, but it is interesting that he like that moment when he does stand up for Hera and it's like she is just a child and even when he tells Cham like when he first brings Hera in that he is not gonna report this his name is Captain Hauser the clone and this is the first time we've seen him so um, for me it makes me think that he has been on Ryloth for a while I, I don't know like I said, that's just kind of how I read it when I was viewing it and his interactions with Cham. Like I said, there was this kind of familiarity there and him kind of um, telling Cham it was going to be all right. It doesn't really seem like something other clones or regs would be saying. Yeah, He was a very interesting character and it does bring up a lot of questions about like – when the chip is used, when it's not, if the Empire and especially um, on Camino, if the clones that are on Camino or go through Camino are having their chips kind of amplified while they're there. Because we know there's still like that whole tension that we've seen on Camino in the first couple episodes. And even when we, when we kind of had those moments with the Kaminoans a couple episodes in regards to Omega, but the tension of um, like Tarkin not thinking that the and Rampart not thinking that the clones are worth the time or the effort, and that would be better to just have um, conscripts who um, are loyal to the Empire that way, who will eventually you know be brain scraped and brainwashed. And so we know that they don't really, at least back then, they didn't really see a lot of value in keeping the clones around or in maintaining the clones. But we have this clone here, Captain Hauser, who seems to have a good bit of authority, actually, in comparison to even, like, Crosshair. Like, Crosshair is very much working for Rampart. Um, And I don't know if I would necessarily – like, obviously, Hauser is working for Rampart in the Empire, but it the loyalty seems different, I guess I should say. Yeah, I think that's true. Speaking of loyalties, let's talk a little bit about the Bad Batch because, again, 13 minutes in, we see the Bad Batch crew (laughs) finally. Um, I I did not think it was going to happen. And something that was really interesting was that this episode revealed that they're still doing supply runs for Sid. I thought it was fascinating because last episode we talked about how now they've settled their deal with Sid. So they're still doing runs. And I was a little disappointed in that, but it makes sense, I guess, that they 
would like to earn some more money rather than settling the debts. What did you think about that? There was a part of me that wondered if maybe this is one of those crazy Star Wars episodes that is not in like a straight timeline. <laughs> I, I went there. I really did. And I, I Clone you know, Wars flashbacks. Yes. Cat, cat and mouse. <laughs> oh my God. I can't. I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility. Going to be real. In Star Wars, it's never it's not. outside the realm of possibility. It's not. But I think that. But I think that they they were like kind of comfortable with how everything was going. It seemed like Omega was pretty comfortable with her room and everything. So I'm more inclined to think that it was linear. But I'm just saying, you, you know, I, know. I kind of feel like they would be like a little less comfortable considering now they really know how many people are after them. Yeah. Who anyway, knows? Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, it'd be really funny if it you know if the episode guide comes out or something and they're like, well, and actually, fun fact. <laughs> This I would actually love that. I think it would be so funny. Yeah, it yeah. would be really funny. It would be perfectly <laughs> Star Wars. So anyway, I'm just going to put that out into the universe. But I realize that I don't pay enough attention to what the Marauder looks like. <laughs> because when it came into scene, I was like, I think that's their ship. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> because yeah. at that point, I had kind of been convinced that we just weren't going to see the Bad Batch at all this episode, except for maybe at the very end. And so I, when they went to do this supply run, and, and I also didn't really think that the Bad Batch would be doing more supply runs for Sid or jobs for Sid. So when they finally got there and the ship came down, I was like, is that – uh, uh yeah, no, it is. It is that. <laughs> but I really loved this little um it felt like they were like they were on the moon, you know? Like it felt very spacey <laughs> with the planet behind them. Yeah. Um very otherworldly, which is not kind of ironically is not how I often feel on Star Wars planets, but this this uh, meetup felt very outer space, if that makes sense. If you guys kind of know what I mean by that. But I love the interaction between Omega and Hera. It definitely was a standout of the episode. And um, like <laughs> Omega wanting to double check if she can like have a friend over basically or, or show Hera around the ship was super cute. And them in the uh, in the cockpit and Omega, we get a little bit – and like we had this comparison, right? Like Hera, when she's first on the ship with Gobi, um, she's like, oh, I can I can totally land the ship. And Gobi is like, nope, no takeoffs, no landings. And I was like, oh, man. It's like when you're learning how to drive a car and it's like, all right, no, um, can't go on the highway. can't go on the interstate. Uh, no <laughs> parallel parking until you're however <laughs> – until you're however skilled at driving a car. It kind of reminded me of that. And then we have Omega who – reads a couple years younger than Hera and is like, yeah, I can't fly at all. Like tech won't let me until I, you know, memorize, like pass the written test basically <laughs> um, to, to graduate to the cockpit. And I loved her showing her her room, her, Omega showing Hera her room because I just think that's so charming. And like when you have a new friend over when you're little, it's always like, oh, let me give you the tour of the house. Like, let me show you where everything is. Here's my room. You know, it just it felt very realistic. Um, again, like very part of the course for their ages. I, I thought it was super cute. I loved it. I think that was my favorite cute moment uh, yeah. when she goes. She's kind of strange. I like her. <laughs> I thought that was so perfect. So um, and I thought the whole their whole interaction was great. It's so cute that Hera and Omega became little friends. It was adorable. 
Yeah, it really was. I think this episode got me thinking a lot about just how kind of fitting it is that it was Hera, not only for kind of all the reasons we talked about earlier in regards to like the the politics of it all, but also in the fact that like we started this season with Kanan and now we have Hera, of course, like they're kind of, they're destined to be together. And I think it's kind of cool to have the Bad Batch kind of intersect with these two characters that are going to have this that are going to be fundamental parts of each other's lives, um, not too far in the future. I don't know. There's kind of that serendipity of it that I I really love that piece in stories and kind of all storytelling. And um, that is certainly very clear here in having, you know, the Bad Batch be a part of Kanan at a very pivotal moment in his life with Order 66. And then just kind of like brush against Hera in this really pivotal moment of her life. Um, Like they're not really the catalyst like they are in the same way with Kanan, but they're certainly a part of the story. And I imagine they will be next week too. So I could be very wrong with how much they interact next week. But I I really like that, um, like I said, kind of serendipity of it, of having Kanan and Hera intersect with the Bad Batch. Yeah, the destiny of it all. I think it was great. I, I really liked that as well. I don't know if I need any more Rebels characters to show up, like at least part of the core gross ghost crew, but I don't know. Maybe I wouldn't hate it. I, I can never say until I see it. You know, you touched on what is going to happen next. Uh, what do you think is going to happen next, Caitlin? Because oh. I think that there's a line in this episode that was, have Sid contact me when she has more to sell from Gobi. So the line of communication is open. Um, do we do you really think the Bad Batch is going to come back in the next episode, or do you think it's really going to be a standoff on Ryloth? Um, I think that it's clear that this is going to be a two-parter, maybe a three-parter. Again, this really felt like a return to form with Clone Wars and like the Clone Wars arc that was like, oh, we have to wait till next week to see what happens <laughs> in this like conclusion, you know. Uh, and I'm I'm just not sure what to think. I think that for me, I would probably bet that the Bad Batch would come back into it. I just don't really know how. Um, and I wonder if that further like blows up their relationship with Sid, if it's true. I think that's a good point. I hadn't thought of that because I think they will be back next week, but I don't – I didn't know how. But now that you mentioned that like line from Gobi about the line of communication with Sid being open, I think that is probably what's going to happen because Hera – I think Hera is going to try and plan their – the rescue of her parents and Gobi and she's going to need help and they don't have any weapons. The only people she knows that have weapons are the Bad Batch. And uh, I think she's probably going to make her way back to whatever ship they were on, her and Gobi, and try and communicate that way. Or I guess maybe she knows like where her uncle keeps all of his contacts and stuff like that. But I think that's, I think that's probably what will happen actually. Yeah. I, I just feel like we're about to witness tragedy just based off of what we know Hera's own timeline and I just I wonder how it's all going to intersect and maybe it'll have something to do with like a bigger plot point with Cad Bane and who's after Omega like I don't know this show keeps surprising me I had no idea this is where the show was going to go this episode so uh your guest is as good as mine I feel like but uh, I, the way that the show ended was really ominous. I mean, with Crosshair shooting Orn Freetod and the whole staging in the of head. this. Uh, in the head. <laughs> Actually, it wasn't in the head. It was in, was it in the head? It was pretty, I think it was like above his ear. Oh, well, it, they, they called it an attempted assassination. He's I, not that's... dead because he comes back in a canon book later with Tarkin. So 
At least I think it's Tarkin. Don't quote me on that. I know he comes back in a later book. Um, and so I thought it was it was pretty interesting that they were clearly like the attempted assassination. And yeah. here we have Crosshair. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm so nervous. I feel like there's 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 even room for the Crosshair of it all to play into it um, with what we were talking about before with the chips or like if Bad Batch crosses pass again with Crosshair, what happens and what conversations ensue. There's just a lot going on. Man, this show is so good. <laughs> yeah, I think it makes perfect sense, actually, now that we're talking about it more for the Bad Batch to be a bigger part of the episode next week because mm-hmm. Crosshair is on Ryloth and we need that kind of tension again between the five of them and, and mm-hmm. Omega, too. I think, you know, I keep saying that we're all, we're going to go back to Camino for all of this and I, I still, my $10, it's still on Camino, <laughs> but I wouldn't be surprised if we get kind of round two on Ryloth um, and... Yeah, we had Crosshair specifically tracking Gobi and Hera when they went to go meet the Bad Batch. So that ship had Crosshair's tracker on it. And it seems kind of perfect. Again, more of that like serendipity of Crosshair's tracker. And then they went to go meet the Bad Batch. And Hera, like those might be the only people that Hera knows. to Like it's clear in this episode that Hera has not really left the planet all too often. And so maybe the only people that she knows to help and that have access to weapons are the Bad Batch. So I think it makes a lot of sense for them, her to try and, I don't know, like maybe like hire them to come and save her parents. Speaking of the bet, I think it was actually $20 now. I think you raised it. Oh, okay. okay, well, okay. <laughs> it's not to be, $10. To be fair, you don't really have a bet on anything. <laughs> no, I do. I have a bet on not Camino. So okay, that's, that's not... That's not like that's we not bet. solid. It's that's not solid. It's pretty solid. It's I don't pretty think solid. It's, it's like not Camino. Okay, like I I made a very specific <laughs> like like my chances of being right are like ten percent. No, no, I'm a new planet that we've never heard of. Before. A brand. Okay, 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 okay. A brand new planet we've never heard of. Yeah, that's what I said. Okay, okay, twenty dollars season finale. Got it. Is there anything else you want to talk about with this episode? It was just so darn good, and I feel like I'm leaving out some parts. Oh, the French accents. French accents. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I loved them. I loved hearing Hera's mom say chopper in a French chopper. accent. It's so good. Chopper. You know? Adelzy. That's what I kept saying yeah. throughout the whole episode. <laughs> it was That's really so good. good. And even hearing some of like Hera's French accent that I she like eventually loses, but I thought that was really cute too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And obviously in in the in universe world, this is a Ryloth accent, but I really liked it. And I liked that Hera had it when she was younger and obviously lost it. And sort of, again, reconnecting with this like childlike version, this childlike, this child version of Hera. Um, I don't know. It was great to see her. It was This episode was so great. Any more thoughts, Caitlin? I'm just going to say, or Hera chooses, like she actively does not eat, like does not use her uh, True dialect in order to distance herself from Ry- Ryloth, as in like maybe she like tries to say that she didn't grow up on Ryloth, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's another another like parallel that she has with Sabine about sort of yeah. like really distancing herself from her family and like things that had happened before. Yeah, with the Empire specifically. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a good point. Um, I don't have anything else to bring up in this episode. It was really great to see Hera. Um. Vanessa, like we said, Vanessa Marshall has been on our show before. So if you haven't listened to that episode, it was last year. It's a 
really good episode. I will warn you, it's a little heavy because this was like May, I think, of 2020. So it was kind of a heavy episode. We talked a lot about what was going on in the world, but also a lot of good Star Wars. So um, mm-hmm. yeah, just so you know. And also, you know, of course, Hera Soars is the Sky Talkers intro music. So yes. we, we love Hera. So. We do. <laughs> it was we really, really great do. to see her. And this episode was really fun. And I am um, nervous. I think probably more nervous than I've been in a while for next week's episode. Same. Same. I can't wait, though. <laughs> I'm so <Yeah>. excited. <laughs> we'll share. I think the other bet we should put is if Charlotte will stay up until 3 a.m. next week, too. I'm like a two-timer per season kind of mm. girl. Like, <laughs> I I feel like with The Mandalorian, I only did it once, and that's kind of par for the course, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, all right. I, I won't take the bet. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Fair, fair. Watch me do it. <laughs> Just despite me. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that is going to wrap up this episode. What did you guys think of the Hera Sandula episode of Bad Batch? Did you guys enjoy it? Please let us know. You can find us online. We are most active on Twitter at Skytalkers Pod or our personal handles. Charlotte's is at Clarity. Mine is at Caitlin Plusher. We also have our website, skytalkers.com. Our TikTok, our Instagram, our Facebook, wherever you want to find us, we will be there. And if you haven't left us a review yet on iTunes, we would really appreciate it if you took a second to go and do that. It helps other people find our show and enjoy Bad Batch along with us. And if you are interested in um, also getting in on the 4 a.m. Patreon Discord (laughs) discussion of Bad Batch, you can head on over to our Patreon and check out our reward tiers there and how to get involved in our Patreon Discord community. Yes, and I want to say a huge thank you to these patrons. Jean, Shelby, Derek, Tegan, Imbecilius, Monica, Stephen, Sarah, Dylan, Erica, Aaron, Demi, Hunter, Allison, Timothy, Ashley, Josh, and Brandon. Thank you so much for supporting us. Your support means the world. Yes, thank you guys so much. And as always, until next time, may the force be with you. May the force be with you. (laughs) 